The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Hey, how are you? My name is Denny Grignel, the producer slash host of this show. You know, no matter how much I feel at home here, how much I belong here, and, and I really believe I do, I did not grow up here. If you did, you're part of a special group, a group that includes this fella. A lot of it is just very nostalgic, very reminiscent. Speaking of our time together growing up uh, in high school in the 80s in Lindsay. Lindsay native Mark Stevenson will join us to discuss why he set up a Facebook page exclusively for people who, like him, spent their formative high school years in Lindsay in the 80s. Human trafficking, sadly, very sadly, exists everywhere, including Kawartha Lakes. We talked to two local people who tell us of its impact here and what can be done to help its victims. And some voices from candidates seeking to represent you in our provincial government. This is the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, Episode 56. You can never go home again. Who said that? It sounds like an author I've never read, but probably should. Well, maybe that author needs to join a very exclusive Facebook page for people whom they grew up with. A page like, oh, say, the 80s in Lindsay. It's for people who attended high school here. You even have to be invited to the page by an existing member. So don't try searching for it, which is what I tried to do. This is no tiny group either. It numbers almost 3,000 members. Now, I'm going to speak with the person who created this page, but first, uh, let's hear from one of the page's exclusive members. Andy Bowens is an IE Weldon grad, class of 84, who has lived in the United States now for decades. You can find him uh, about 90 minutes from New York City in Westchester today. That's where I've reached him. Hey, Andy, I got to ask you, what was your reaction when you learned of this very exclusive Facebook page for people just like you? You know, first of all, it was just pure joy, especially for my friends that I grew up with in the 80s were all very reflective now thinking of family thinking of retirement and every time I get together with old friends we talk about the good old days it really is a love letter to our youth and it really brings you back to you know that time of innocence where you're small town you've got this great connection of friends you live and die by the experiences you have in the wonderment of I've got to escape Lindsay because I've got to grow up and go to college and as soon as you get away from Lindsay something always pulls you back and that that page on Facebook always pulls me back to the the values of friendship that I have today the connections I have with music with cultural experiences is really grounded in the 80s and the Facebook page really brings that home as you're reflective and remember great friends still with us today some lost and it just brings great joy to me you're only a, a short jaunt away from manhattan now, yeah that, you can't get further away from from lindsay than manhattan dare i say so what's it like when when you're not looking at that page and you're living your life in new york and and, and lindsay's just sort of in the background you know when i come back to lindsay and i try to come back two or three times a year reconnect with the people that are part of the community it's andy bowens and in new york it's andrew bowens and one of the things that i think about is that as i get older i turn 55 yesterday is that andy bowens is the real person 
the connections I've made, the way relationships and community were formed in Lindsay. It is a beautiful thing in a stark contrast to New York, which I love, people are great, but that small town connection, that joy and wonderment of friends that you have for life and the experiences shared, you can't replicate that anywhere. So my sister always says, you know, you were in a hurry to leave Lindsay. Now you can't afford to come back until you're ready to uh, give up all the trappings and come back and be your true self. Well, hey, you buried your lead uh, in in just announcing that it's your birthday. So happy one day belated birthday, Andy. Uh, I Thank want you. I want you to tell me about those moments when you're you're in New York and despite it's all of the wonderfulness of it on those days when you're just kind of you know, maybe pining for home. What's it like when when you go to that? page and you see all those familiar faces and, and and those friends and those activities from your youth what because a lot of people might think that's bittersweet and it, it just exacerbates the uh, the homesickness but what's it like for you you know it it doesn't make me sad or want homesickness what it reminds me of is that powerful connection of real friends community investing and in being part of something so in the 80s in lindsay for me you know I.E. Weldon, LCBI, didn't matter the age, we were all connected by the live music scene in the 80s in Lindsay. And the powerful connections of friendship that came, girlfriends, relationships, buddies that I have today. True relationships, true friendships require community and connection. And I know all kinds of people in New York, but I don't have those quality of friendships or very few that were forged in the idea of Lindsay in the 80s. And to answer your question, the page, when I see it, it reminds me of those values, reminds me of what matters and where I should focus. And the Andy in me versus Andrew starts to come out and kind of be first and foremost, just connecting with people and appreciating people versus in New York posturing and perhaps trying to show people that you're successful. When you come to Lindsay, nobody cares. They want to know how you're doing. They'll bust your chops. They'll remind you of stories of the 80s and you laugh and put your shoulders down and say, I'm home. Well, Andy, when you do come home, I'll uh, buy you a cup of coffee at one of the local coffee shops. How's that? Thank you for taking a moment to make me think about memory lane. Lindsay expat, but still a Lindsayite at heart, Andy Bowens. A little later in the show, we'll speak to this Facebook page originator, Mark Stevenson. My name is Craig Schroeder, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Dude, you got to be the first take. Awesome. <laughs> June 2nd is when you head to the polls, if you haven't already pre-voted, that is, in the upcoming provincial election. And The Advocate magazine, which this podcast is a part of, and also 100% local media, recently held a public debate for those candidates who met the requirements as determined by the 2021 Leaders' Debate Playbook. Those requirements are as follows. The candidate must be with a party that has at least one member elected in the Legislative Assembly of Ontario, or the party must have received at least 4% of the vote in the last provincial election, or the party must have received at least 4% support in a leading public opinion poll. I was at that public debate and recorded the candidates' opening statements, each respecting the maximum allotted two minutes. 
You'll hear them now in the order they were presented to the crowd that night at Cambridge Street United Church. You will not, however, hear from Laurie Scott, the progressive conservative candidate and the current MPP for this area. Ms. Scott was invited to participate in the debate, but she declined. First, we'll hear from Tom Regina of the Green Party, then Don McBeigh of the Liberal Party, and then Barbara Doyle of the New Democratic Party. Good evening, everyone. Uh, and uh, thank you to the Lindsay Advocate for hosting this event. I'm here today as uh, the Green Party candidate because Green Party policies are based on environmentalism, equity, and respect in a way that I believe is unmatched by other parties. We're here this evening because we are concerned about the outcome of the upcoming provincial election. Affordability has become the central issue because it is at the heart of all of the issues that have been competing for our attention. Successive governments by three different parties knew that the population was going to increase and to age and that the economy would change. Successive governments from three different parties had the opportunity to take steps to be prepared for the quickly approaching future. Over the last 30 years, government has been keen to turn students and patients into clients, keen to allow private business to provide housing, education and healthcare more efficiently to make better use of taxpayer money. The result? is the mess that is at our doorstep. The housing market has created enormous wealth for those with resources and good fortune at the cost of making home ownership or even rental out of reach for many young families. We have a well-equipped and trained healthcare system that works well for those at the top of the wait lists or fortunate enough to access private care. Although even as Ontario has the highest percentage of private long-term care homes in Canada, they had the highest percentage of COVID deaths. Private LTCs in Canada paid out $170 million in dividends in 2021 and also received $135.5 million in pandemic aid. Affordability is the central issue for most people because too often policy puts profit before people. The Green Party has a plan to address these issues and put people before politics. I'm not a career politician. I didn't inherit any writing from any other member of the family. This is the first time I've stood for office, as is the case for a lot of the new Liberals that are coming in since, of course, there was a uh, definite voting out of the old Liberal Party in the last election. I'm here because I have a background in workplace health and safety. That was one of my professions as a lawyer, administrative lawyer. Uh, most recently as a Vice Chair of the Workplace Safety and Insurance Appeals Tribunal, where I saw hospital cases uh, in which even uh, PSWs with minor injuries were not coming back to work. The stress was too much. The other thing is ordained ministry. I've been into long-term care hope facilities of all sorts, from the very worst you can imagine to some of the, the wonderful places. There's a great variety there, but the trouble is that under the Ford government, nothing was being inspected until, of course, they found out that people were dying. Nobody can afford afford this type of Ford these days. It used to be the Ford was the affordability, not this Ford. He's going to spend and put us into $200 billion into debt, and he's not going to get around to balancing the budget until 2028. Stephen Del Duca's team promises to balance our budget by 2026. Never has any government spent so money, so much money, giving so little to so many people. 
The average person is not getting the benefit of the Ford government's budgets. That's going all to the people, like ex-Premier Harris, who is CEO of Crestwell, Chartwell, sorry, and, and others that are draining our funds, draining your tax dollars into their pockets. Same thing with long-term care. We don't want that happening. For that reason, the new politicians in the Liberal Party want to give you the chance for a new start. Thank you very much. And thanks to my colleagues for standing with me and giving such great stats so now I don't have to, because they're accurate. <laughs> so I've lived in this community pretty much my entire life. I grew up here, I live here, I work here. I see so many familiar faces in this crowd today. So thank you to, for coming and taking the time to hear what we have to say and considering your choice in this election. This election is the most important one I think we've ever had. In my lifetime, it for sure is. We have had four years of incredible hardship, um, systems breaking even further than they were before, and people literally worried how they're going to survive at this point. The NDP has a plan to fix what they broke, and I want to help them do that. I want to help them fix healthcare and put nurses at bedsides, fund hospitals. And when we're talking about hospitals, let's talk about the Ross Memorial Hospital. Our favorite MPP, Lori Scott, passed a bill, PR65, changing the objects of the hospital forever. Unless I'm elected and I can repeal it for you. We need to put the Ross back into community hands. We need to ensure that services are not cut and that it is not amalgamated. And the only way to do that is with an NDP government. The NDP is poised to take leadership. We only need 10 seats. Our leader has opposition experience and years of government experience. She's ready to be premier. She can do the job. And I am with her to help do the job for you. I can't wait to hear what everybody has to say tonight. I'm really excited for the questions that are coming. And hopefully, we can have a really great discussion about how to work for you because you're the people that live here in our community, raising our families, building businesses, and creating lives in our community together. Those were the opening addresses at the recent All Candidates debate presented by The Advocate magazine. We heard from, in order, Tom Regina of the Green Party, Don McBay of the Liberal Party, and Barbara Doyle of the NDP. Laurie Scott of the PCs and the incumbent was invited to participate in the debate, but declined. The provincial election is June 2nd. My name is Riley Ray from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate podcast, Stories from Kortha Lakes. It's a statement we still hear often in Kawartha Lakes. Unfortunately, in many cases, it's naively so. Isn't that a big city problem? Mike Perry and Penny Chatson are working to change that misconception when it comes to human trafficking. Penny Chatson is the Residential Services Manager with Women's Resources. Mike Perry is the Education Consultant with the Sex Trafficking Prevention Campaign. They join me now. Mike and Penny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Denise. Okay, there are still many people, not just in Kawartha Lakes, who don't know what human trafficking is, or they don't have it completely right. Penny, can you define it, explain it in clear terms in a, in a few sentences? So 
you know, people do get mixed up with human trafficking as opposed to sex work. Um, basically, the difference is that when you are engaged in sex work, that you get um, a benefit from it. You get money, you get to choose who, when, where. Um, the women and children we're talking about don't have a choice. They are told who, when, where, um, how often, and they don't see the benefits. Um, they don't get the money. The money never goes to them. It goes straight to the trafficker. And we'll get into that in a moment, just how insidious that is. But Mike, I mentioned that it's often seen uh, as a big city problem. Why do you think that's the case that many people, not just in Quarth Lakes, but in smaller towns, still think of human trafficking as, oh, that's that's over in the big city? Right. Well, I think part of it has to do with, you know, in smaller communities, we, you know, know everyone we we are you know like to think of ourselves as creating a you know a strong community kind of an enclave for things but as you say Denis unfortunately uh sex trafficking does occur here you know I think part of it is the media picks up on the majority of cases still do happen in big cities and our campaign that we're talking about here locally is sex trafficking happens here too Sex trafficking can also happen very subtly in a relationship. It becomes normalized by the trafficker, the person who's benefiting. It's often seen as, you know, um, hiding in plain sight. Again, we might not think it happens here because it's not necessarily as as visible or seen. And Mike, you touched on this just very briefly, the, the idea that we all know everybody. And I've often said this of Lindsay, that it's it's it's, it's a town of 20,000, but it often feels like there are 200 Penny, what have you seen uh, in terms of human trafficking in in this community here? There's almost always somebody in the shelter who's fleeing trafficking in our area. Sometimes they come from outside of our area because it's not safe for them to stay in Oshawa or Toronto. And so they come and stay here with us. Since um, August, when we started our human trafficking program within the shelter, we've had 15. We've seen 15 young women. Um, most of the victims and survivors that I've met with, trained with, been trained by, um, all talk about getting into this when they were 13, 14, 15. And they don't see themselves as being trafficked. This is their boyfriend, right, who's saying, you know, we're going to have this life together. And if you just do this, then that's going to help, you know, that's going to help us get the life. And I'm going to take the money and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to, and we're going to have this happily ever after. And that's kind of the hook. You know, I think part of the reason it's perceived as not necessarily happening here locally, again, the, the perception, you know, in the media and, and even, you know, some popular movies these days is that it's, you know, an organized crime boss who kidnaps a young woman and then sells them for sex against their will. It, that can happen, but the majority of cases are happening within the context of a relationship. But just as uh, as Penny was saying, it can be as subtle as I need eighty five dollars to pay the rent. I want you to go and sleep with John, and uh, you know this time, don't worry, it's just once. I want to circle back, Penny, to to the the small town feel of it. When when Mike mentioned, you know, he used John, the name John, as an example. I, I just wonder what what challenges you face when that young woman coming to you says, well, John is somebody that I've grown up with. I saw him at the local hockey rink. He, he knows my family. What challenge does that present for you in, in convincing that person that, look, what's happening here is is not right? 
Um, it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. The, the shorter answer is that he loves me and this is what he's doing, but it always gets ugly. And so that's how the women start coming to us. Or I would even say, you know, young girls, we start getting them because something happens and it got really violent and he scared her or whatever. And now she shows up with us. And normally the first time she'll stay for a short time and she'll go back, but she builds a relationship because part of what the issue of a woman or a teen reaching out is the shame they have now. Am I assuming too much when I say that this situation is unique, that these are people who could have known each other their entire lives, as opposed to someone who just drifts in, in a, in a fancy car in front of their school? The subtlety may play out here more locally in our, our rural community, being more relationship based. And a history, um, they have a history together. Right. Then, you know, um, and then a trafficker who is, you know, targeting young women locally, uh, although that happens, that happens here too. Um, you know, Kortha police were telling me a few weeks ago that at the super jail here, uh, there are women who've been trafficked online on cell phones that have been smuggled in to inmates. If you want to talk a little bit about uniqueness, there was a case here in Kawartha Lakes that I know of where this young woman was living at home with her parents and in this relationship being trafficked weekends and some weeknights and then having to go home. So not only did she have the horrors of having to be trafficked, but also the pressures and burdens of living this double secret life. It isn't just like you might see more in the city, uh, you know, what, what are known as the gorilla pimps who target uh, young women solely for the purposes of trafficking. A lot of this can be done in a, a relationship that starts up and then goes really south really fast. We actually have um, a coalition table uh, for human trafficking in the city of Corthel Lakes. Most people don't know that, where all the community partners um, come along. Part of the work that pro that table was doing is that we've even educated the hotels and the motels about what to look for um, to prevent human trafficking or if they suspect human trafficking. We work really closely with the police. They bring us victims all the time. We have our human trafficking program here in the shelter. So all the staff here and, and pretty much all of our community partners have been trained to understand human trafficking, to look for human trafficking. And so we have this really fabulous partnership so that a victim doesn't have to keep telling her story, which is so hard. Uh, some of the hope comes from we are seeing survivors, women moving from being victims of human trafficking to survivors who are so resilient and so strong and are able to get on their feet with some support and enjoy life again. Penny Chatson is the Residential Services Manager with Women's Resources. Mike Perry is the Education Consultant with the Sex Trafficking Prevention Campaign. If you or someone you suspect may be a victim of human trafficking and in need of immediate help, you can call the 24-hour crisis support line at Women's Resources. That number is 705-878-3662 or 1-800-565-5350. At the top of the show, we spoke with Andy Bowens, he originally of Lindsay and now living and working in New York State for many, many years. But Andy is still very much connected to his beloved hometown via a Facebook page exclusively for people like him, people who grew up and went to high school in Lindsay. 
Okay, so time now to get the lowdown from the fella who started it all by launching that Facebook page a few years ago. That page, by the way, it's called The 80s in Lindsay. Appropriate, right? And it now numbers almost 3,000 members. That fella is Mark Stevenson. Mark has made Toronto his home for quite some time now. That's when he's not at the cottage near Minden. And that's where he is now. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking the time away from the dock to, uh, to talk to me. My pleasure. Hey, uh, full disclosure here to uh, to you and to our listeners. I am not a Lindsay native, so I am not. And, and I, I should point out here, I, I totally respect this. I am not eligible for entry into this exclusive club. But I've been able to view it by looking over my wife's shoulder because she is a Lindsay native. I, I, I felt like I was lurking behind the curtains of this secret society of a whole bunch of people that I know. But I, I just felt like I shouldn't be there. So, so what's your reaction to that when I say something like that? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it is a fairly, um, I would say, a fairly intimate group. Um, a lot of the content that we share would not necessarily be content that you would share on a public domain. A lot of it is just very, very nostalgic, very reminiscent. Speaking of our time together growing up uh, in high school in the 80s in Lindsay. And uh, it's a very pleasant walk down memory lane to perhaps remember our adolescence and uh, and connect with one another. When I took a look at it, I saw some very Lindsay-centric uh, stuff, but also some stuff that just kind of celebrates the 80s in general. Yeah, I think when it first started, it was very specific. And the content that we were speaking about was life in the city of Kawartha Lakes, growing up in the region. Um, but then as we've got more comfortable with one another, a lot of people who would not normally share content whatsoever. It's actually surprising the number of people that do share content within this group. But if you look at their public profile, they are not the type of people that typically share content. So it started very specific to the region. But to your point, uh, many people start sharing things that are just interesting observations about the 80s in general, whether it be a funny joke, a gif, uh, a picture, anything reminiscent of, of the 80s. Does that surprise you that, that people are a little bit more uh, open and and uh, engaged than than you might have expected or maybe that they were on their own personal pages? Yes, I would have to say it does surprise me. Um, I've been immersed in social media for professional purposes uh, since its inception. And I am surprised by the number of people that come out of their shell and share content. And I think it just boils down to the fundamental element of being comfortable to do so. You know, they're, they're amongst people that they, they did know, perhaps they still know, and they know that they're not necessarily going to be uh, judged or flamed, as they say, people in social media within this group. It's a safe place for people to share their opinions and thoughts. Can you give me some examples of, of how that intimacy uh, has, uh, has transpired, like stuff that you've seen shared that you would not have expected? Yep, absolutely. So uh, first of all, I think photos are, are one of the main things. I was actually going through some analytics yesterday to see how many photos we had, and, and I couldn't get the exact number, but there has to be thousands of photos. And uh, I did have a challenge. I believe it was Christmas of 19, and we actually awarded some prizes. We've had many things like that throughout the years. And it was share with us your photo album or some of your favorite shots from high school. And it was just fantastic, the photos that we saw. And these weren't necessarily, uh, you know, out of your yearbook, but people digging into their shoe boxes, going to their parents' houses. And the photos that we saw were 
it's like, wow, I remember that, but I have not seen that or thought about that image in 30 years. We, we do encourage a very healthy rivalry between the two schools. Um, so yes, the, the fall football games, uh, any challenges that we would have between the schools. Uh, there were some very memorable photos from Christmas parades, watching the Spartan float and the Wildcat float and seeing some of the funny antics that we got up to at the time. Um, typical uh, party photos, whether it be house parties or field parties and, and sporting events as well, too, for all of the, uh, the varsity and intramural teams. You know, Mark, many of us, and I would include myself amongst this group, we have no great emotional pull to our hometowns. You know, it's part of our past, which we don't deny, but we're quite happy to have moved on. So what was it or what is it about your relationship to, to Lindsay that made you want to stay connected yeah, I think there's a few things. So I was originally uh, born and raised in Mississauga. So my public school years were spent there. However, I spent my weekends in Bob Cajun, actually at a trailer in the trailer park. So I was very fond of the area. And then when I moved to Lindsay, which is in grade nine, I spent all of my high school years here and then bought a cottage as soon as humanly possible uh, to be up here. Main reason for me, it's just the style of life that I really value appreciate and prefer being part of a community uh, knowing a lot of people being very familiar and of course very fond memories for for growing up in high school but the other part of it that was a motivation is I was invited to be a member of a group of the sub or rather the community I grew up in in Mississauga called Malton and it was like if you grew up in Malton and I thought it was very nice but it was a very static group a lot of the people were significantly older than me, so they didn't have access to a lot of rich media that those who grew up in the 80s did. And on a whim, I think it was after three glasses of wine, on a Saturday night, I looked for a similar group in Lindsay, and I was surprised to see that there was nothing of that nature. So I thought, well, no better time than the present. I created it. I invited probably 15 of my friends. That was mid-November. And then by Christmas of 2019, we were over... 2,000 people. The rate at which it spread, the people referred their friends was quite frankly very shocking to me. It exploded overnight. Did that surprise you? Yes. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. In fact, I, I do have some friends who work in social media search engine optimization and do this for a living. And I shared with them the numbers and they were flabbergasted. They like, so you, you haven't advertised, you haven't invited any of these people. Like, no, I have not. It's strictly word of mouth. And they were blown away how quickly it grew. Hmm. Let's be honest here. Uh, there are some people from our past, especially when we think of high school, because those are such formative years. There are some people that we'd prefer not to be connected to anymore. Uh, so how do you and your members negotiate that? You know, just it's sort of re reconvening with, with people from your past that you may not have been close to, let's say. Yeah, I would say that's... That's actually quite interesting because it's like, oh, yeah, I knew that person. I wasn't close to them, but hey, they're here and you can strike up a conversation and check them out. And it's just it's very interesting to see where our paths have taken us both personally and professionally. So I think it's an opportunity, even if you don't want to connect or speak with someone, just to see how they're doing, what's up and where their life has taken them. Well, and I think it's fair to say that most of us, if we could go back 30 or 40 years, there's, you know, there's a lot about us that we would change. Are, are you finding that, that people are, they've evolved into different people that, that, than you might have guessed? Absolutely, for sure. I mean, when you go through the list, we are in 
13 different countries. And we have doctors, lawyers, company owners, CEOs, first responders. I mean, you name it. It, it is a very diverse collection of people and uh, very impressive to see where we have all gone as a collective group uh, based on growing up in our little town of Lindsay. Has it rekindled any relationships for yourself, like people that you maybe lost touch with over the years and, and, and now oh, you're seeing maybe physically in person? Huge. Absolutely. And you know what? I like to look at the silver lining of everything. And this was very good throughout the pandemic. Like it was a way for people to socialize, interact, reach out to people you normally would not because we could not go out. We could not see our existing friends. So I know of many uh, relationships that have been rekindled or new relationships created as a result. And we, we tried to make it a very collaborative community throughout uh, the pandemic. So for example, I started hosting trivia nights and I, I checked yesterday, we, we had over 75 interactive 80 specific uh, trivia nights, which was original content. And at one point we had six people hosting and we had trivia nights every single night for about six weeks straight, actually. As soon as I post something that's engaging, whether it be an event, a question, what have you, or someone else in the group does, engagement goes up. Uh, if it is not interactive in any way, shape, or form, and it's people just sharing content that they find uh, just in their daily cruising in social media, it might be a GIF, it might be a joke, it might be what have you. Engagement goes down. So it's definitely, you get what you put into it. You're very much the moderator of, of all of this, and you're seeing all these conversations. Have you ever had to kind of put your foot down and go, okay, this is going in a direction we don't want to between Lindsay A and Lindsay B and, and or C? Yes, with a group of that kind, it's inevitable that it will happen. Um, we do have very clear rules, um, you know, many of which just, you know, be kind, be courteous, uh, nothing as far as political affiliation, religion, uh, anything that uh, that is inappropriate in any way, shape or form. And yes, we do. Uh, I actually have two other people who moderate the site for me looking for instances like that. And then also with the tools provided through Facebook, we do get immediate alerts if there's any inappropriate uh, behavior, language, what have you. So yes, uh, we do have to. Um, but I would say in comparison to the general rule, it is far less than what you would experience in most groups. Uh, one of our members actually uh, suggested at Christmas of Christmas 2019. So keep in mind, this group had only been together for six weeks. Uh, suggested that we do something for the community and we give back to those in need. So we immediately put together a fundraiser campaign through a GoFundMe page. And within that extremely short period of time, and I think it was three weeks, we were able to raise in excess of $2,000 and present them, uh, you know, with the four foot wide uh, check to a place called home. Uh, Angie Fox was instrumental in running the campaign and delivering the check. And we did the same thing last year. Jason Ward was kind enough to deliver the check. Uh, so to date, we have raised over $3,000 for a place called home. It's wonderful to be a part of that community and see that we are, you know, coming together for a greater good and helping out those in need within uh, within our communities. Well, that says a lot about the, your your contemporaries who grew up in Lindsay. Hey, Mark, what We're a very civil group. <laughs> what, what has this done for you and, and your relationship to your hometown and, and to the people you grew up with? 
Wow, that's a good question. Uh, what has it done? I mean, it certainly enriched it. Uh, you know, I personally have had the good fortune of, of rekindling relationships with people, seeing people, you know, things I've done. I've, I've gone on fishing expeditions with people I haven't seen for 30 years. I've because gone of this, hiking. Because of this Facebook page. 100%. Yep. This is Mark Stevenson. I'm from Lindsay, Ontario, and I currently live in Toronto and also Minden, Ontario. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. If you attended high school in Lindsay in the 1980s, that Facebook page, it's for you. So find someone who's already a member and, uh, I don't know, I guess show them your old student card so that they'll let you in. My thanks to Mark Stevenson for making time for me. And our thanks to Ward's Lawyers for being our exclusive sponsor. For all your legal needs, Chris Award and her team of lawyers, they have you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Gerald Van Halteren didn't just jam with Andy Bowens back in the day. GVH is also the creative force behind our theme and musical Bridges. If you have not already, please consider subscribing to our program on your favorite streaming platform. And if you give us a good rating, other people will find us more easily, which is essential to our continued growth. Find us on Facebook, send us your thoughts, ideas, suggestions about the show. We love to hear from you. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes is written, produced, and hosted by me, Denny Grignel. Get out to see some live local entertainment. The Grove, the Lakeview Arts Barn, upstairs at the Pie-Eyed Monk, the Coach and Horses. So much great talent in our midst. We're back in two weeks. And Andy, please hold me to that offer of a cup of coffee, local coffee, when you're back in your hometown. Yeah, I played in a band with uh, Gerald and Holtron and Ron O'Neill called Tinted Vision through the 80s. And my parents, with the other parents, made us sign a contract that if we didn't make it as musicians by the time we're 25 or 26, we'd go to college. So Tinted Vision went in the road. Long story short, Gerald, Jamie McNabb, Ron O'Neill, myself, Dean Bransma. We all did the music thing, then went off and had lives, but we get together every year and play music and remember the 80s in Lindsay.